I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Super excited to gather with you uh, this morning um, as we, this in January at all of our locations, really studying who we are as a church. Why do we meet? Why do we do this? Why do we sing a song? Why do we pray? Why do we honestly open up the word? What, why are we doing the things that we do? And if you've been around a while, you may say, well, I, I know there's these words, reach, gather, grow. And, and we, we think it's really important that the church knows what the church is. And so we're going to study that. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. So I'd love for you to turn there or open up your, your, your phone or your app or whatever that is. Philippians chapter number one, uh, chapter actually chapter number two. I'd love for you to turn there. I, I just like to pray and then let's dive into God's word. Uh, Lord God, we love you. So grateful this morning uh, to gather with the church. Lord God, I, um, I pray this morning that you'll just use me, lead my words. But Lord God, I believe your word that says your Holy Spirit reveals your truth. And I pray this morning, Lord, open up our, our ears and our hearts to hear your word, to understand it, and may it change us. May it convict us, may it encourage us, may even it lead us to repentance. But please use this morning, Lord. We need you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I do have to say, uh, they were right. There is a fan that blows right on Josh's head every single week. This is great. I'll say, all right, wonderful. Philippians chapter number one. Again, we are, we are walking through the book of Philippians. We're studying it to see what the church is. And really what we're doing as we're pointing out what the statement of faith is for the church. You've heard this word statement of faith. Basically, that just means what is like the declaration of the church's position on essential matters of the Christian faith. For many times, when we think of statement of faith, we think of going to somebody's website, you click on a button, what do they believe? You click on that button, and up pop, there is the statement of faith. Has anybody ever gone to a website and looked up somebody's statement of faith? Yes, what, what we believe. Now, Back in the day, maybe some of you, you senior saints, you may ask what a senior saint is, I'll let you define that. At the Waterford location, we have an eight o'clock gathering, that's many of the senior saints go to that one, but um, statement of faith, it, it feel like in the, I guess to say olden days, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago, maybe some of you can verify this, when you would drive down the road, you'd see a church and it'd have a name on the church. It would say Faith Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, it'd say the Lutheran Church, it'd say the Methodist Church, and, and many times years ago when you would see that, it would pretty much give you the statement of faith. You'd see it and go, yep, that, that's what, that's what I, I know what the church believes because of the name. Well, it's really not like that anymore. 
When you go to the River Church, and you know many churches just have a community church. Or, so, so what is their statement of faith? And I'd even say that a couple months ago, when I had the weekend off, I went to, uh, sometimes I'll slip into another church to not be Pastor Jason. It's why I'll just sit and be like, nobody knows me, and I'll sit here and listen. I love it. And, and so I went to a Lutheran church in our community. You may went, you, you went to a Lutheran church? Yeah, I went to a Lutheran church. I'd never been to one before. I said, let's try this out. So I went to a Lutheran church, got there. They handed out the bulletin. I looked at the very top of the bulletin. It was awesome. It said, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It pointed to this is the most important thing. And as I sat there and gathered, as they spoke, as they sang, they kept pointing back to the good news of Jesus Christ and what he did. It was wonderful. So I went, man, they're they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. But the truth is, there's another Lutheran church in our community. They don't preach the gospel. They preach heretical teachings. They don't point people to the Lord. They pull people away from the Lord. They don't give them the truth of God's word. Yet when you drive by, both say Lutheran, but completely different statements of faith. As a pastor Sometimes I'll get an email or I'll get a, a note that somebody will just send me and say, hey, we're new to the community. We went on your website and uh, just got one last week. A lady said, hey, uh, your phrase, you, you gather with the saints. Do you really believe there are saints? And I said, man, she must know who our congregate. No, no. Uh. She said, do you, do you believe in saints? What a great question. Then she said, and... Do you stand on the truth of God's word? Do do you believe what it says? And what a great question. She was asking what what our statement of faith is. As we gather and we do this every January, and some of you may be like, I already know the answers to this. And, and, And maybe you do, but... As I read the Bible, I even think of a verse that uh, Paul said in Romans when he got to the end of Romans that he told them, hey, the church, and I see what you're doing. You're loving the Lord. You're teaching people. But Paul then said, but I wrote this because you need to be reminded. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we need to be educated, new. Sometimes there's a reminder of what we're called to be and how we're called to live. So at the river, we, we didn't come up with something clever. It's not like we went, ho, 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 we got a new good one. We don't have a new good one. We study God's word and say, what does the Lord call the church to be? He calls us to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is who the church is. The church is called to gather together. It's important. It's not a kind of sort of thing that we think of. We think we're called to gather together around the gospel. And we're called to grow in the good news, to grow in God's word. This is what the Bible tells us. So when it comes to every January, what we do is we study one of these epistles that, again, Tell us what the church is. I'd encourage you this week, you want a little task, read the book of Philippians. Take out a little notepad or pull out your iPad and bring up the notes. Write down reach, write down gather, and write down grow. 
And as you read the book of Philippians, just write down every time you see the gospel and people being saved and the call for the church to share the gospel. And then write down every time you see under gather, every time you see the church called to be, to gather, to be one, to be unified, to come and to join with one another, to love one another, to care for one another. And every time you come across a verse that says, hey, you're called to grow, write it down. I think you'll be amazed that you'll just see this, this is what the church is called to be. So here in the book of Philippians, we'll study this wonderful truth of the church. In Philippians chapter number one and verse 27, and Josh last week, uh, Pastor Josh began, really gave us wonderful, like, who, what is this church? How was it started? It was the first church that Paul started in Europe. It was not the plan of Paul to go there, but the Lord closed doors, closed doors, closed doors, and said, here's where I want you to go. I don't know if that's ever happened to you in, the, in your life, but it's a one. God goes, nope, nope, yes, here's what I want you to do. And so you see Acts chapter 16 that Josh preached about last week and how it began. And now, I believe some 10 years later, Paul is writing to them from prison. He loves them. It is personal. In the verse, first 26 verses, you'll find there really is this um, one set of autobiographical uh, um, uh, emphasis that Paul's like, hey, this is what's going on here. Thank you for doing this. I know you. You know me praying for you. Look what's happening here. I've been in prison. I know everybody thinks it's terrible, but God keeps using it for the spreading of the gospel. And then when you get to verse 27, it really is, I, I think, the center of this book. It is telling the church, hey, church, this is what you're called to be. This is how you're called to live. Here you have the statement of faith. So let's read a few verses. The Bible says in Philippians 1:27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but to your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaging in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Here at the very beginning, look at verse 27 again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I've studied this book, just I keep coming back to this one passage. Here, I believe he's saying, hey, church, here is the statement of faith that you would live a life worthy of the gospel. That's the statement of faith. And I love this because I believe Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and he goes, hey, you know what the statement of faith is? You are. You're the statement of faith. How you live says what you believe. You ready, church? You wanna know what the statement of faith of the river church is? You are, and I am. 
Oh yeah, we can have a tab on our website that says this is what we believe. But unless we, the church, live that out, guess what? It's not what we believe. The statement of faith says, hey, what does the church believe? What are you doing and what am I doing? Because we do what we believe. And Paul is going, the statement of faith is us together being the church. That's why we come back to this all the time. Because we're the statement of faith. Listen, we all make statements. If I were to come in here today and I wear an awesome University of Michigan championship sweatshirt, if I wore that today, it would make a statement, wouldn't it? It'd make a statement of champion, right? Like that's what it would say. Monday was so awesome, and beating Alabama was incredible. So I'd make a statement, champions. I know some of you are like, you're making a statement of cheaters. You are, you're right, it's okay, it's okay. But the shirt I wear, the sweater could make a statement. It makes a statement of what I love, but it also makes a statement of what I hate or what I dislike. I'll tell you what, in Waterford, there's some people, they like these red shirts, like they, they like this Ohio State and, and it's like, you know, the Bible says, or I think, you know, it, some people are hard to love. Let's just say that, right? It's, it's just some people, especially in the Waterford location, there's this group of there and, and I'm just kidding. I, no, no, I do love them, right? But, but just a statement. I make a joke about it. Of course, although I couldn't care less about this stuff, but you make a statement by what you wear. Listen, as a follower of Christ, we make a statement. What we do and what we say and how we drive and how we push the grocery cart. How we do things at work. It's a statement of faith. When people talk about, hey, what does the river believe? You know what they look at? You, me. They'll know what we believe by what we do. So this reach and gather and grow here, Paul says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Again, I think it's so important to hear this, the gospel. I never want us to be confused that we just go, the gospel is love or the gospel is the Bible or the gospel. The gospel is the good news of, the, of salvation through Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. It is the truth that Christ died. And just giving you a quote, died for our sins according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15 and that he was buried, and that he was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. Romans 1.16, it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul says we need to be wrapped around the gospel in all that we do. So this morning as we study, we're going to look through the next few verses and a little bit into chapter 2 of the gathering of the church. When you read this passage, you're going to find this over and over. You're going to see one mind, one soul, one purpose. Unified, caring, loving, courageous, wrapped together. The gathering of the church, the Bible says, is so, so important. So let's dive in and look a little bit deeper into this passage. 
I, was, I listened to Pastor Josh speak last week, and I shared some of this in Waterford, and I was like, I was so happy he didn't touch verse 27. Like, oh, yeah, good. I get to go back there. So some of this is, I, I, can, I was so excited to share it last week. I'm going to share some of it with you. If you're one of those in the River Church that you listen to a lot of different pastors of the River Church, don't worry, we're going to get to new, some new stuff. Don't think it's just a repeat. But um, here, let's dive into verse 27. It says, only... I don't want to skip over that because another translation says just one thing, this important thing that we must focus on, we must pay attention to. What is it? To live worthy of the gospel. Now this manner of life here, I I am no Greek scholar, but as I study and read commentaries, the Greek word here for conduct, the root of that word is the word city. And when it says this, it really is pointing to, it, it's saying that our conduct or our citizenship, it's pointing to being a citizen who's worthy of the gospel. See, in Philippi, they were a Roman town. Now, Rome was a long ways away. But if you at this time would travel to Philippi, you'd come in here, come into the town, you'd walk in and you'd be like, is this Rome? Why? Because they spoke like the Romans spoke. Latin, okay, that's what Rome speaks, that's what we're going to speak. The names that they had, they began to name their children Roman names. The structure and the buildings One said they were preoccupied with being citizens of Rome. So when you'd come in there, you'd be, man, this isn't Rome. But I know what Rome looks like. I know what what Rome sounds like. I know what they're doing. This even smells a little bit like Rome. So Paul here says, hey, it's not about being a citizen here. Later on in Philippians, he says this in Philippians 3.20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And if we know the Lord as our Savior, he saved our life more than we're citizens of Michigan. I'm going to be a little careful here. More than citizens of the United States. We who know the Lord are citizens of of heaven. That's where we're at. So that's why I I think this is so beautiful. This is our citizenship. So when the church gathers together, when the church comes together, you know what should happen? People should come in here. I wonder what heaven feels like. Well, I know this isn't heaven because we're still on earth. But if I... Think about heaven and how people act. Man, the way I got greeted at the door and loved in the parking lot and cared for out there and somebody, a gathering host came by and said, can we help with anything? And they prayed with me and cared for me. Man, when I came around those people, I don't know exactly what heaven looks like, but man, I think I'm getting a glimpse of it. I think I'm getting when when people come around us church, those of us who know the Lord, here's what they should say. I don't know what heaven smells like. But but I think this may be it. 
That's the call on our lives for people who know the Lord. The statement of faith is that we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens with the Lord. And so when people look and go, man, what's heaven look like? It's how we should act. It's how we should love. It's how we should care for one another. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. As people came into Philippi and were reminded these are citizens of Rome, when people come around us, when they see the gathering of the church, not just in here, but out there in a restaurant and in the car, they should see citizens of heaven. It should all be wrapped around the gospel, right? That, that is worthy of the gospel. What does it mean, worthy of the gospel? What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He loves you, right? He pours out his love on us. So what should the gospel look like? Those of us who have received God's love, we pour it out. The gospel, what is it? That God's justice, his wrath was poured out on Jesus. He is a just God. We see the gospel. It is Jesus is just. So what are we? We live wanting justice. We see Jesus. How did he come? As a servant. So what are we called to do? To be servants He came, if you read chapter 2, obedient. What are we called? What's it look like? We're obedient to him. He humbly came. What does that look like for us to be humble? The statement of faith as we gather together is to be citizens of heaven. I ask people who come new to the church, how'd you come? What, what, what made you come here? How'd you get connected? You know what many times they say? Oh, I knew my neighbor, this person worked with this person. They saw you. They saw the statement of faith. Maybe a difficult statement. You know why some people hate the church? They see some of the ways we live and go, well, if that's what a citizen of heaven is, I'm not much different. There were people say, man, I don't want to go to heaven. It looks boring. I don't think they really know the gathering of the church then. Because the gathering of church ain't boring. Can I tell you, I love the church. I love coming. It's not a man, I got to do that again today. It's a, woo, I get to do that again today. I I love seeing you, smiling with you, praying with you, laughing with you, joining together, getting excited that Jesus saved us, that we have a new life because of Christ. It is incredible. I love the church. And when we think, ah, this is something we got to do, we're missing and we're, we're not pointing to people. We're not pointing people to Christ, what it really looks like to follow him. 
So here as citizens of heaven, Paul then begins to explain as you gather together the next few verses, he's talking about how we're called to gather together because there are forces from the outside that are going to knock you down and you need the gathering of the church. Here he says, hey, we're called to be courageous and strong and united because we live in a broken world. We live in a world, right? Who's the king of this world? Satan. We're in a battle against principalities and rulers of darkness. And here Paul, who loves the church, says, hey, church of Philippi, you're doing some amazing things. But Satan can step right in there and divide you so quickly, and we can't let that happen. So Paul goes on to say, he says, so whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He says, church, you got to stand firm. Now, again, when you study this word, this word comes back to, it points to being a soldier. It once points to a soldier locked in, ready to go, that nothing is going to knock him off of what he's called to do. So for a soldier to stand firm, that was at any cost, even to the point of sacrificing his life, he would not be moved. So one said it like this, then figuratively to us, it refers to holding fast to a belief, a conviction and principle without compromise, regardless of personal cost. This is the church standing firm, soldiers of the Lord. And what does that look like? Paul says it looks like this. You stand firm, locked in arms with another believer. Locked in arms with another believer. We, we don't do this thing alone. There's this crazy thing out there that people go, you don't really need the church. It's just, you, you just kind of do it on your own. No, no, no. When you read the scripture, you see we're called soldiers locked arm in arm so that when somebody hits your brother, you go, I got you. And we've all been there times when we're weak and we can trip and your brother's like, yeah, you may have tripped, but I'm not letting you fall. And we hold one another up and we love one another. The last few years, as you know, just watching our church grow and people coming I want to tell you, people who I see flourishing in the church are people who are locked arm in arm with other believers. The people who come in and know this isn't just an alone game. This is a together game. This is why we push growth communities. And, and this is why meeting on Sundays, like it's not just a thing we kind of do or watch a video or hear a sermon. That's not it. Gathering is coming together and loving one another. That's why the video this morning, he's a, he said, hey, you want to be a gathering host? What is that? Somebody who comes and is looking to pray with people, to care for people. Is that what we think of when we gather together? 
I know I fall into it. I can fall into this consumer. What are you going to do for me today, pastor? Is the music level going to be at the right thing? These lights are a little dark, a little light, a little bright, a little dim. Instead of going, no, we, we gather together to care for one another. Because this world wants to knock us down. Knock us out. So we don't get back up. So we walk away. We gather courageously as a soldier. As one said, this is a, this is a positive and a negative. What I mean by that? We stand firmly against Satan. Oh, but we stand firmly with the Lord. We stand firmly on the truth of God's word, and we won't waver. And that means we stand against the falsehood and the lies and the manipulation that you see some so-called churches doing. We stand for righteousness and stand against sin. Throughout the Bible, over and over, you'll see this term, to stand. May we stand together. One spirit, one mind. And we come to this word striving. Now this Greek word here, striving, the root of the word is spelled in Greek A-T-H-L-E-O. So think about that. We get the word athlete or athletics. When Paul talks about the church and what it's supposed to do, gather together, strong in the Lord like soldiers, and then he comes to the word athlete. It's being a teammate. My son, he's in eighth grade, uh, just basketball season's rolling along, and he came home the other day and go. I said, how'd practice go? Good, good. Um, I, I said, good, everything good? And he said, yeah. He said, the only thing, Dad, he said, when somebody on my team, they, our, our little group was doing good. They were messing around. We all had to run. Well, you know those things where you had to run, free throw line, back, half court. You can't, you can't call them. You can't call them that. All right, so you just down and back. So I, so I had to run. It's like, Dad, I had to run down and back. So I'm like, this is a team, son. This is together. Listen, my, my son, um, he's in eighth grade. Can I tell you something? When he started middle school, he didn't like the youth group at the church. Pastor, you're, he's a pastor's son. He has to like the youth group. This is required. He didn't like it. He didn't like going. Sunday nights roll around. Okay. He didn't like it. I can remember he come home and I remember, hey, did you have fun? And I remember just being so convicted of that question. Did you have fun, son? Now, do I want my son to enjoy it? Yes. But I was paving the way to go, hey, son, when you go to church, was it to your likings? Did it make you smile? Did they tell a funny joke? Did you play some good game? Which is all great. But if I set it up in my middle schooler's life, hey, you go to church for fun? You know what I'm, I'm cementing what I truly think church should be. So we changed. My wife and I, we changed. He comes home and goes, hey, son, you know the Lord. You know, we're... Have you, and we use this statement, you stir somebody up to love and good works today? 
Like, did you go, did you find somebody there who didn't know the Lord? Did you love them? And when he comes home, that's the question. Not fun. Hey, son, you know Jesus. Do you go love somebody? Do you stir somebody up today? It's changed it. And now I'll tell you in eighth grade, he loves the youth group. It's exciting for him. I don't have to tell him. It's great. But the gathering of the church, have we missed what it is? We're teammates. We're to take care of one another. To care for one another. What are we doing? We're joining in arms as teammates because this world wants to rock your family. Wants to hurt your marriage. Wants to destroy your friendships. And Paul sees it and he loves them and go, hey, if we're the church, we have to love each other well because as soldiers hold each other up, as teammates run with each other, this is how we stand firm. Striving. Now at the end of chapter one, what Paul is doing, I love this thought and uh, one commentary put it this way, tough and tender unity. The writer said, faithful Christians have always displayed this combination of courage and tenacity mingled with humility and compassion. The gospel makes us both courageous, not passive, and humble, not abusive. And here is what Paul is doing. When he gets to chapter 2, I'm going to read you a couple of verses here. When he gets to chapter 2, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Nope. That's Colossians. That'd be weird. <laughs> chapter 2, I thought I was reading. I'm like, where am I going? Chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, have the same love, being in full accord and one mind or one purpose. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. And it seems like Paul transitions here. At the end of chapter one, he says, hey, we unite, we gather together to fight against the outside. And here in chapter two, he says, but we have to unite together and love one another. Here you see this tender love and care and humility. And at the beginning of two, it seems like there is this passionate, emotional appeal to them. There is this first verse is like this motivational statement. He's saying if. Now, the word if here, it, it doesn't mean like, well, if this could sort of kind of happen. He's saying it's more like since or because, church, this has happened in your life. And he lists Four things of motivation. And he really does. He's trying to motivate the church. Think about what motivates us. I think about there's a football game tonight. I don't have power at my house. It better come on because I got to watch a football game. 
But the football game of the Lions and the Rams, and they, they talk about motivation in sports. I, I enjoy sports, but one of the things they talk about is bulletin board material. You heard of this? It's like things that are said during the week that in the locker room, the team puts on the bulletin board and go, there's our motivation. Like this, you know, this week, like golf, they're going, hey, do you know the Rams traded you because they thought you were terrible? Like you're a, they thought you were a garbage quarterback. They wanted nothing to do with you, golf. They, they, I mean, and so that's the kind of, now whether that motivates them when they get blown up by 20, I don't know. But that bulletin board material to motivate. Here, Paul's giving us bulletin board material. He says, since church, the certainty, not this possibility. He's saying, hey, since you have been encouraged by Christ, comforted by his love, participating in his spirit, receive the affection and the sympathy since these things have happened. So I stop and go, have they for you? Paul calling out the church saying, hey, since there's an encouragement, for those of you who know the Lord, have you received an encouragement from the Lord? Like Paul is almost giving them the one set of video camera. Like, okay, pull out the video camera. Let's look back at the old film. Remember the encouragement of where you were at? If Christ has encouraged you, if his love has been dumped on you, has this happened to you, church? This is the motivation. He's not just going, hey, do the list of rules that God says. That's not what he does. He says, what? remember what God did in your life? I think about my father. Every time, and it's, it's an incredible memory of him. I have my dad. My dad passed last December. But it is an incredible memory of my dad that every time, and if some of you know him, you bring up the subject of salvation. Man, there was this tenderness that he would so, I mean, I, I remember tears and just this, just remembering how amazing the salvation of Christ is. And this is what Paul doing. Hey, remember what God did in your life? He doesn't stop there. He says this, this encouragement. He says, is there comfort from love? Second Corinthians 1, 3 says that God is the God of all comfort. Do you know this comfort? Romans 5, 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And maybe this morning, for those of you who know the Lord, you need to go back to the camera. You need to go back to the video and remember because you've forgotten how amazing God's salvation is. Remember that it is not by what we have done, but all may we come back to the cross to remember the comfort and the care and the love of Christ. I told you my dad passed away a year ago. I mean, to sit in his comfort is amazing. To know it. And Paul's reminded, do you know his encouragement? Do you know his comfort? He says, do you know the participation in the spirit? 
What does this mean? That those of us who know the Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings us together. The Spirit is what gives us the power. The Spirit, the Bible tells us, reveals His Word. And then lastly, he says, if, if since you've received this affection and sympathy, church, do you know the divine compassion and mercy that came from Christ? Romans 12.1, Paul does the same thing. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. How? By the mercies of God. He says, I'm urging you. Why? Because you've experienced the mercies of God. And can I tell you, it should fire us up a little bit. Maybe even in church, a little, a little hallelujah comes out because the Lord is good. Maybe even a little, Lord, we praise you. Right? We, we don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, it's great. Salvation. No, we see salvation go, Lord, there, I can't always be quiet about this because the Lord, he is good. And that's what Paul is doing. Let me motivate you, he says, church. Let's think about the cross of Jesus. And may we celebrate that a little bit, huh? If this has happened, he says, then complete my joy. Like, like a parent thinking about their child. Like a parent thinking about, man, parents, you know when your child honors the Lord, there's nothing more exciting than that. And so this is what Paul is doing. Complete my joy by doing what? Being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. What is it saying? One love. One mind, one purpose, one spirit. What's the purpose? The gospel. It goes back to verse 27. This is what we wrap around. I joke with the Waterford location. I call out ninjas. There's some ninjas in our church. What do you mean by ninjas? It means like the worship team, they sing and they pray, and all of a sudden they get, I, I'm up on the stage. Whoa, they weren't there three seconds ago. I finish the sermon. I pray. They're gone. I mean, some people, they are the best ninjas ever. Like they sneak in and sneak. It's like, whoop, there they are. I think, were we allowed to count them? Because they were real fast. Here the Bible calls out ninjas. That's why gathering's not just a once in a while Sunday thing. In our American culture, it's where it's moving to, right? It's moving to now we go once a month. And this isn't me like trying to go, you need to be here every Sunday. But man, if you know the Lord, is this something that your kids go, no, that, that's important. That's not a kind of sort of thing we gather at the church. We gather with the church. Any little thing pops up, we're bailing. They see it. So we're called to be together, to love one. It's not a ninja thing. And some of you may be saying, oh, I'm not a ninja. I'm a secret agent, Pastor. I'm just uh... No secret agents. 
There's no doing it on our own. It's the wonderful gathering of the church. It's being unified and caring. And I know some of you are sitting there. And as I preach, there is such a hurt in your heart because you're like, Pastor, I tried. I got hurt. Pastor, I tried. This happened. Yes, we live in a church where we live in a world where we can get hurt by the church. But can I tell you, don't give up on it. There are people who love the Lord, will love you. Don't let that hurt hold you back. Know that we're called to be tender and caring. Can I tell you, people need you. They need you to care for them. People online, now I love online streaming and there are some who cannot get to a gathering and so this is something incredible. But can I challenge you with something? If you can get to a location, get to a location. Because this unity is important. There's a lady here hurt today that you could love. There's a man today broken, his wife just left. You can care for There's kids who are lost that the world keeps telling them it ain't real, it ain't real, God ain't real. They need you. Again, I love the church. May we learn to love one another. Paul here then explains how. He says, hey, very clearly, he says, we must be humble looking at other people. We must let each one of you, verse 4, not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Or being in the church doesn't mean, well, you just do, who cares about any of your stuff? Just whatever, you let that all become a mess. No, it says, hey, as you take care of things, you need to sacrificially love others. You need to look to care for them. Humility is so not a part of our culture. I love what one said. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not being weary and, oh, I'm terrible. and down. No, no, it's just looking and loving other people. So this morning... As we studied the statement of faith, I pray the Lord speaks to your heart. Pray the Lord uses this this morning to see that if you know the Lord, may we represent Him and love Him. Listen, maybe you're in here and You've never accepted Christ. When I talk about being a follower of Christ, you you don't know the Lord. Can I tell you honestly, this sermon this morning was for those of us who do know the Lord so that we will love you well. So that you will come into a church and it'll give you a taste of heaven. So that we may reach and love people. But maybe this morning, if you listened, you heard about the love of Christ and what Christ has done in the gospel, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart this morning. 
Can I tell you where you're at? You can trust Christ as your Savior. As we talk about salvation, what we're talking about is that one day we were lost and the next day we were found. One day we were in darkness and the next day we were in light. How? Because we heard the truth of the cross of Jesus that God loves us so much he sent his son Jesus and Christ came sinless and he died on the cross and rose again. He takes our faults, our sins upon the cross He takes the wrath of God for us that if we will believe in him, confess our sins, repent of our sins, and believe in Jesus, we will be saved. And this morning, if you've never accepted Christ right where you're at, you can call upon the Lord. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. And he'll save you. And he'll change your eternity right now. Statement of faith. May we live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, may you be honored. Lord God, continue to mold us and shape us as a church. May we honor you. We praise you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.